0: Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast with Gary Bembridge. Travel tips and advice to help travellers get the very best travel experience out of every featured international destination. All the tips and advice are based on Gary Bembridge's first-hand experience visiting each destination for work, vacation or usually both. He explores the best way to get there, getting around and the top tips on must-see attractions and tours. Visit the site at www.tipsfortravellers.com, where travellers are spelled the UK way with two L's. For the links to sign up for the newsletter, join the Facebook group and follow Gary Benbridge on Twitter. Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. Hi and welcome to episode number 78 of the Tips for Travellers global travel destination podcast. And today we're going to the very beautiful... Greek islands and the phenomenally stunning island of Cephalonia, 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 California, all sorts of different names are various names that you'll find written for this very beautiful island off the west coast of Greece and I guess it depends on your language where you come from but Cephalonia is the name that I'm most familiar with and it's probably the most I guess it's probably the most English sounding name but uh, I think the original Greek is Cephalonia but anyway so this very beautiful island is situated off the west coast of Greece it's part of the Ionian island group and it's, it's a group of islands they're known often as the seven islands although there's actually lots of little uh, different ones but there's Paxi, Lefkada. Uh, you can tell my greek's not very good but basically it's a very beautiful island the capital of Kefalonia is Agastoli four kilometers across the bay is the second largest town which is called Lixuri and actually two-thirds of all of the population of Kefalonia lives in these two towns and I'm going to talk a little bit about the population and how it basically shrunk dramatically in the 1950s now Kefalonia for many people is linked to Captain Corelli's Mandolin the film which was made I think about 2001 or the book uh, which was written by Louis de Bernays I think that's how you pronounce his name and Captain Corelli's Mandolin was set in Kefalonia and was filmed in Kefalonia but it's actually part of a really traumatic story and Kefalonia has had a couple of very traumatic historical events over the last 75 years the two big ones were during the Second World War it was occupied mostly by Italian forces. There were some German German troops there. Now, after Italy eventually reached an armistice with the Allied forces in 1943, the German troops ended up massacring around 5,000 of the 9,000 Italian troops based on the island. There was a terrible, terrible massacre where they basically wiped out the Italian uh, troops. And there's some very horrific stories you can read about what happened. A further... Few thousand of those troops were actually killed when they were uh, their ship as prisoners of war was torpedoed on their way to prison of war camp. So, pretty much all of the Italian troops based in Kefalonia were wiped out, and Captain Morelli's. Sorry, Catherine Corelli's Mandolin is set before and after The Mask. It's a love story. It was filmed mostly in and around Sami and Anti-Samos Beach, and we'll talk about both of those in a while. It was quite a controversial film at the time, and actually a lot of it got watered down because of the politics and and, and the background to the story. There's another film made about the same thing in 2005. It's an Italian film, and it's called Cephalonia, C-E-F-A-L-O-I-N-A. And this tends to play a slightly more accurate slant on the events obviously from an Italian perspective it's also a love story. In the 1950s 3,000 Italian soldiers' bodies were exhumed and returned to Italy. Now the 1950s was also a very traumatic time for kefalonia because in 1953 there was a monstrous big earthquake and it destroyed pretty much all of the property on the island the only exception to that was right up in the north there's a very beautiful town called Fiscado which I will also talk about later and that was the only place that pretty much wasn't destroyed it, it was really just kind of wiped out at the time there was uh, about a population of about 125,000 100,000 of that 125,000 people left the island after that earthquake and today the, the, the island population has only grown back to about 45,000. So it, there used to be much more people living there. There used to be loads of villages. There used to be some 200-something thousand villages, 200-odd 200, 200 villages, and there's, there's much fewer now. Uh, the island, it's on an earthquake fault. It has various tremors. Some big ones were in 2003, about 5.3 on the Richter scale, and about 2005, about 4.9 on the Richter scale. When we were there, we didn't have any earth tremors. But it's really interesting, this this this, this town, that the towns there and the, and the whole island is, has a sense of restfulness, peacefulness. But it's actually had a very, you know, dramatic and, and traumatic history, uh, which is kind of worth worth sort of bearing in mind. But just giving give me a bit of, of background to the island. Now, I want to give you a couple of, Broad observations about the island and then I'm going to talk about my usual tips about when to go getting there how to get around things to do etc but a couple of of observations probably about um, seven or eight observations is obviously we all know the Greek islands and we all have this image of them being incredibly beautiful you know beautiful blue seas great sort of rugged mountainous terrain in my mind though that was more islands like uh, Mykonos or Santorini So I had a sense that Kefalonia may sort of be like the B-team, if you like, of Greek islands. However, once I got there I found it was significantly more scenic. It was much more mountainous, Uh, huge mountains covered with really thick pine trees. The beaches were very varied and very beautiful. Some are very sandy, some are more sort of pebbly, but it has incredibly gorgeous bays. It has incredibly beautiful beaches which are all nestled right at the base of these Big mountains you know often you find you have a very steep winding drive to get to the main beaches it's, it's incredibly beautiful and much more beautiful than I'd actually expected to be. The second observation which also really struck me significantly was just how friendly and how welcoming the people of Kefalonia were. Now it may be of course because they're very reliant on the tourist traffic it may be because of course you know the Greek economy is going through a very tough times so people were very pleased they were still in business and people were coming to support them but it was incredible people just were so welcome, so welcoming, they were very pleased you were there, they were very friendly, they were very helpful, they were very charming and bear in mind you know it's a manic season they go through with loads of tourists but they I was just impressed just how friendly and welcoming they were you know often you go to big tourist places and, and you're almost seen as as an impediment as an annoyance uh, than than being welcome and that was something that really really struck me that the, the welcomingness the other thing which I think is very interesting and very important was that the island was not a tourist ripoff you know so many places you go to particularly where they're reliant on tourists prices tend to be very unreasonable t- you know, drinks are very expensive, eating out is very expensive, entry fees are very expensive but the prices were incredibly reasonable and in many cases uh, things were much cheaper than I'm used to in London. Now, I know London's a quite expensive city but still generally you know food and drink and, and uh, just going out generally was, was, was not a rip-off. You know, uh, clothing or, or curios or things you wanted to buy really really reasonable and so that was, that was a great positive. The other thing about Kefalonia specifically was just how UK and English it was. Now, uh, you know, I would have expected with the Greek islands, you know, they're close to Europe. You know, you'd have thought that it had a very diverse kind of group of people going from all around Europe, but it wasn't, it was surprisingly English. And it's very clear that um, the whole island has a very strong link to the UK. And as a lot of charter airlines fly from the UK it's kind of one of the islands that's almost, I guess the tourist uh, companies and the tour companies have sort of adopted and built a relationship with you know websites talk about it being very popular for Italians it's quite close to Italy in relative terms and definitely the second most prevalent group of visitors we came across were were Italians but you know the Brits definitely way 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 with a bulk of of visitors also and maybe linked to all of the above um, English was it almost felt to me like English was the first language on the island because everyone speaks beautiful English the starting point of conversations and greetings was always in English of course that's no excuse for not learning a few Greek welcoming thank-you phrases and and, and some you know basic things that you're going to be doing every day I always think that's very important but people are very comfortable and speak very beautiful English and uh, so that was also kind of a surprise sometimes you almost forgot you're in Greece because everything was done in English the other thing about the island is it felt and it actually has a reputation for being very safe very secure I mean people were very relaxed you know the locals are very relaxed about security we noticed you know people left the car windows open when they were you know had parked them and gone shopping or or, or whatever and definitely the island does feel very safe and actually the place that we stayed at is, is a villa owned by uh, a single lady from the UK and she did talk about just how safe and secure she feels as, as, a, as, as a single woman kind of traveling around uh, the island and, and going places the other thing and again is probably linked very much to the fact that this is very much a tourist island and it and pretty much closes down out of the tourist season uh, but most of the restaurants were very similar in style they were very similar in terms of menu they all had a very standard menu you know you with your macekas, your souvlaki, which is you know a kind of a kebab um, you know a skewer kebab thing with chicken or meats you know Greek salads very very similar uh, menus there wasn't a lot of diversity in terms of restaurants I'm sure there probably is and I'm sure the locals probably uh, you know have uh, more diversity of places but Sydney pretty much everywhere we went you a know, very very standard menu which I guess serves you know what the tourists want um, and what's in demand but that was that was kind of interesting. Um, The other thing that's very interesting is all the restaurants have very low priced local wine and wine is quite a big thing in Kefalonia they have a lot of uh, uh, vineyards and, and wineries and I'll talk about that again later but all of them had a very low priced house wine. A couple of things to remember just a couple of points, toilets. Now the plumbing in Kefalonia like much of Greece does not cope with toilet paper being flushed down it so you have bins uh, beside all the toilets whether they're at home or, or the villa or whatever or public toilets and you don't flush paper away it takes a bit of getting used to because we're so used to kind of flushing toilet paper away but you soon it becomes a habit but that's very important you cannot flush even toilet paper down the toilets. In terms of opening hours shops and banks they tend to open very early you know eight o'clock or, or, or even earlier they close around lunchtime and they then open at the end of the afternoon when the temperature cools down so people tend to shop you know first thing or sort of late afternoon early evening now some of the bigger supermarkets like your Kafours which are there they are tending to stay open instead of closing in, and they do also tend to open on a sunday whereas everything else pretty much closes on a sunday the other thing is cash versus cards now this may be a combination of the tough economic times uh, but also just the way the greek uh, does business but retailers other service providers really prefer you to pay in cash versus cards. Now, some places won't take cards, you know, so what we found is we took euros, we paid for everything euros, whether we paid for petrol, whether we went out for dinner, whether we were buying drinks, you know, cash is much preferred uh, rather rather than cards overall. So let's now talk a little bit more specifics now that I've spoken a little bit about some of those kind of observations. And let me talk a little bit about, first of all, when to go. And I referred to it a little bit earlier. Pretty much, you know, the season runs from May to October. In, in reality, it's it's July and August. Maybe a little bit of, of of June is the real peak of the season. Most of the hotels, the restaurants, and and shops will close completely from the end of October until Easter the next year. And so the island is very quiet pr- pretty pretty dead September is a really good time to go because the crazy busy seasons passed the weather is warm without being incredibly hot and oppressive you know it, it's sort of around you know 28 to 9, 30 degrees Celsius and it's just not at all busy but everything's still open everything's still geared up and, 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 and ready for tourists so that's a really good good time to go I think we went in September and it was fantastic in terms of getting there Flying, of course, is the most common way to get there. If you're coming from the UK, it's about a three, in fact, it's less than a three hour flight. It's less from other parts in Europe. Now, the airport in Kevalonia opened in 1971, and the tourism trade only really built up from from the 1970s, the current one opened about 1980s. It's very packed, it's very busy in the season. The terminal's probably a bit small for just the volume of of flights and people, but I guess because it's only open that sort of window of time, they don't want to invest more money in it. Most of the flights are from the UK. I've mentioned that earlier. There's a lot of charter flights, like uh, Thompson, Thomas Cook, but a lot of the low-price airlines, like EasyJet and Ryanair, fly there. But we did notice there were still, um, you know, flights from places like Zurich, um, places from Italy, less frequent. But you know, in any one day, there's, there's there seems to be, you know five ten flights coming in from the UK so lots lots of options particularly from uh, from the UK. The other way of getting to Kefalonia or including Kefalonia if you want to see Kefalonia is on a cruise. Now Kefalonia has a cruise ship dock in Agostoli and it's starting to appear more and more on cruise line routes in fact when we were there for example Cunard's Queen Victoria was paying a visit so you know you could see Kefalonia as part of a a bigger cruise if you want to get more more experience and I still think in this podcast if you are going to Kefalonia as a cruise some of the advice and tips will definitely help another really interesting option uh, if you don't want to go on a big cruise is yachting now there's a couple of and we saw quite a lot of these actually small uh well they're not so small they're kind of mega yachts but like Harmony 5 is a good example and, and on the blog and stuff I've got a link to that but you can certainly search for Harmony 5 where if, is a V, you know, the, the Roman numeral thing. And basically, these are kind of mega yachts or super yachts. They have around about 45 cabins they take you know between 40 and 100 people and they travel from Athens on seven-night routes around various islands and they dock in bays they dock in some of the small picturesque towns and so unlike a cruise you know which has to go into a large place like Agostoli Harmony 5 will pull into some of the more beautiful little bays and spend a day there swimming or they'll pull into the board in Sami which is more quaint and it's a really good idea if you want to get a taste of the different islands and also there's much more flexibility in in what you do and 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 how long you spend there so that's a that's those are kind of other the the main options there are other more complicated ways you know getting there on a ferry from 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 various parts of, of Greece but those are the three main ways of getting there and the yachting is a really interesting one and something I definitely want to explore one summer now let's talk about getting around once you've got there the absolute best way to get around is by car there's a lot of higher companies at the airport, you know, including the, the mainstream ones like Hertz and Avis. Strongly recommend that you book before you go, especially in the peak season, because it, it gets get a little bit manic. But basically to see Kefalonia, because there's so much to see and it's so diverse, I really think you should, you should drive around. Don't, don't be tempted to, to stay in the area you're based. you know, even if you're booking a resort. You know, try and get out because the island is really diverse. The beaches are really diverse. The roads are quite narrow uh, on a couple of the main routes. They're a little bit wider. Um, but there's a lot where you kind of sort of have to pull to one side to let a car pass. Uh, Many of the roads weave over very high mountains and those are quite good roads but you do need to be kind of quite a confident driver or have someone in your party that's a confident driver and a good head for heights because you are going really really high up you know climbing some very steep you know corners and, and and so on. Parking is free in most places some are charging not very many the port front in Angastoli charges a little bit and now uh, like most of Europe you drive on the right-hand side so you know people come from the UK or Australia or South Africa need to adjust a little bit and the only other quirk with driving other than the heights and the narrow roads is in the traffic roundabouts they work differently to, to many other places and cars on the roundabout have to give way to cars entering so that's kind of unusual because we're mostly used to giving way to people in the roundabout so it gets a little bit of used to you know getting used to it and making sure that you remember if you're on the roundabout you have to stop to give way to people entering now, taxis, there are lots of taxis, very popular, good option. A lot of people use them, even going to the beaches. One of the things I would say is it's quite hard to find your way around. It's not that well signposted, and there's lots of these little roads. And one of the things I would suggest is um, using your smartphone and using Google Maps. Or using once they sorted out the new Apple uh, map thing you know you can get some quite good uh, data packages now through European providers and we actually found that the Google map app that we were using on our smartphone it had really good mapping really good routing we found our ways even on the narrowest tiniest little roads and, and that's really really something worth uh, what we're thinking about right so let's talk now about where to stay hiring a villa versus staying in hotels or resorts is very popular, strongly recommended. A lot of them can be hired with swimming pools. We stayed in a beautiful three bedroom villa called Coriana House on this southern sort of part of the island it's stylish beautiful views across the ocean it's great for exploring the island if you want to find out more about that my review the videos photos uh, you can go to the blog look for Coriana House K-O-R-I-A-N-N-A House or even in this uh, post about uh, Kevalina you'll find the link there but you'll find lots of of, of uh, resort lots of uh, sites offering villas in Kevalina strongly recommend it. it's a really inexpensive way of doing it most tourists tend to stay in the Lassie area which is near August It has lots of resorts, uh, hotels, apartments, shops, restaurants. It's much younger. It's quite busy. It's quite buzzing. So that's quite a popular place for a lot of people to stay. Many people will come on a package versus with with Thompson, Thomas Cook. But it is worth looking at independent travel as an alternative. And, and, and as I mentioned, you can look for villa through sites like holiday rentals or holiday lettings. So, so but the Lassie area, that sort of southern part of the island is great. Uh, for finding a way around, looking for villas in that part. The other thing to consider is right up in the north of the island, there's a place called Fiscado. This is where the rich and famous come in with their big mega yachts. They dock there. Very trendy, very uh, beautiful little village. It has lots of famous names. I mean, when we were there, for example, Ronan Abramovich, the big uh, Russian billionaire, his mega yacht was docked off there. But, you know, lots of celebrities will, will go there. So, Fiscado is also really, really worth thinking about. So right, you've uh, got there, you know you're getting around, you know what to stay, what must you go and see. Now I would really recommend very strongly focus on the beaches. If you're there just once you know spend time exploring the beaches. You will also get to tour and see the stunning mountain areas, you'll see some of the charming towns by doing that and you'll find little isolated spots along the island where you can just stop and swim. Before I talk about the beaches to visit, I recommend that you buy some of those rubber sole shoes. You'll find most of the tourist shops sell them for under €10, Euros. a lot of the beaches are pebbles and these shoes are perfect. You know a lot of the beaches have umbrellas and lounges, it costs around €7 Euros a day per couple to hire those. It's very hot, it's worth doing but all beaches also have a lot of areas which don't have that so you can bring your own umbrellas if you don't want to pay the €7. Euros. But do uh, either be prepared to pay or bring your own shade, it's very hot so you're going to want some shade when you're there. Let me talk about the beaches to visit. anti and Sami. I mentioned that a little bit earlier when I was talking about Captain Corelli's Mandolin. This is my most recommended beach by a long way. It's on the east coast, it's just outside Sami, the little town of Sami. You get there going down a very long and winding road. The road was actually uh, improved when they were filming uh, Captain Corelli's Mandolin uh, to get all the um the the equipment and, and, and cast on there because they used it as the base for the Italian uh, base. It's a pebble beach, it gets really deep really fast. It's got beautiful clear water. It's got loads of really interesting fish. So it's great for snorkeling. There's two, in fact, there might be three soon, beach bars and restaurants. They have great food, really friendly service. And Sami nearby is, is where it was filmed. They actually built the Captain Crowley's film. They've, they've got sets which were built nearby which you can't see anymore. Um, but if you're a fan of the film, you'll recognise a lot of the architecture. Uh, it's, it's a very pretty port, Sami. They have lots of day trip boats go from there uh, and a ferry which, which runs to the nearby island of Ithaca. So it's also really, you know, you, you get to see quite a lot there and also you get to tick off that you saw where Captain Crowley's mandolin was filmed. The second place I would strongly recommend is Fiscado, I've mentioned that it's a beautiful little port area, you've got all the yacht stock there, you've got lots of coffee shops, restaurants, there's some smaller beaches nearby, the the beaches aren't as good as some of the others but it's, it's worth visiting because you see beautiful yachts, you see interesting people, it's really buzzy, it's very exciting. The third place is a place called Myrtos. M Y R T O S. It's probably the most famous and popular beach on the island. It's supposed, supposedly, the most photographed beach on the island. It's it's very broad. It's a sandy beach, and there'll always be some big mega yachts anchored off the beach uh, as well. It's got a beach bar. Very limited food options. Actually, surprisingly limited food options. It's more kind of fast foody. But Myrtos is definitely a beautiful beach to go to. The other beach that I would strongly recommend is a place called Pitani and this is a very large base again got a pebble beach. Now to get there you can either drive all the way around this big bay which will take you at least 40 minutes or which is much more fun is you take a ferry from Agostoli to Luxuri the ferry takes 30 minutes in total from the time of driving on to getting off it's really recommended you get beautiful views of the island and in summer it goes every 30 minutes and every hour at other times it's really reasonable it costs two and a half euros per person and three and a half euros for the car and then you it's about a 20 minute drive to, to the beach there are three places to each on the beach there's very good food there the sea's a little bit rougher. There's more waves, um, unlike the other beaches that I've spoken about. It's, it's a very beautiful beach, and, and it's really, really worth going to. The last one I'd recommend is a beach called Aviathos, A V I T H O S. It's very popular. It's a sandy beach again. It's not far from the airport in the southeastern island. It's it's a narrower beach. It's it's very popular. There's two very good taverns on the beach. Um, very good taverns. There's one right on the beach. One a little bit further up. Very well recommended and written about. Um, and then on the beach is also a beach bar so those are the, the, the key beaches that I would, I would recommend you go to Antisamos, Fiscada, Myrtos, Pitani and Avithas. If you want to do some other things other than the beach a couple of things that I'm going to list uh, Agostoli you know Agostoli which is the capital it's been rebuilt after the earthquake it's not as quaint as it could be but it's worth spending some time in. Go on a Friday evening there's a little town square it's just a few blocks back from the portside road they close it to traffic on a Friday night and the locals and tourists they gather there, they meet, they chat, the people watch, they drink, they eat, it's very busy it's very buzzing All around the square are trendy bars you can just sit there and, and have some drinks and just enjoy the mood it's a really fun evening a block from the square is also the pedestrian shopping road where there's more bars and shops and stuff, so that you can also do a bit of a bit of shopping and gift buying. The best restaurant on the island that we visited, bearing in mind that I said that many of them were very similar, that's also just off that square. It's down a little side alley by um, a hotel, and it's called Casa Grek, and it's great food. You, you sit outside, but it's very cool, and very friendly staff, more diverse menu, um, and that's really I would also recommend is eating at this place called Casa Casa Grek. In the daytime, the area just along the port is also worth visiting in Agostoli, especially for cruise ship in town. But there's a large fruit, vegetable, meat market there. So Agostoli, something definitely to see. The other thing that people strongly recommend is going to the the Drongarti caves and the Melisani lake. Now these are very incredible places. They're natural phenomena. They're on the east coast, close to Sami. So if you're going to Sami, you could go there as well. And there, there's an inland lake it's right you know the lakes really inland and it's actually within caves and it's a strange mixture of sea and fresh water because it's it's fed by the sea but it's filtered out and, and, and fresh and you take a little boat ride around the unusual shape you see the beautiful color of the water and then you have the Drogati caves which are basically there and In fact, they only became really accessible after the earthquake because it actually opened an entrance and there's all the the stalactites and stalagmites, which, you know, water dripping has created. So the Dragati Caves and Melisani Lake are very popular, well worth doing. The other thing is St George's Castle. There's a castle which is right high up on the top of the hill. It used to be the viewpoint to defend settlements of the island. It's now completely in ruins. Some days it's open to explore. But even if it's closed, it's worth taking a drive up there because you get some great views and there's some very good restaurants sort of dotted uh, just around there. The other two things worth doing is if you want to uh, and you don't want to sit on the beach but you want to experience the beaches is there's lots of options for boat trips. There's boat trips that leave from Agostoli, there's boat trips that leave from Fiscado and there's boat trips that leave from Sami. So those three are the sort of little ports or the main places of boat trips. There's lots of day trips. Some of them, they'll either go down one of the coasts and they stop at different swimming spots in the, in the best base. A lot of the beaches I spoke about, you'll stop at. Although one of the more popular trips is, a, is an all-day trip, which leads from Sami. And it goes to the island of I- Ithaki, which is off the east coast. Uh, and Captain Vangeli's Boats is one to have a look at. So if you're interested in that, Captain Vangeli's Boats. But that day trip is very, very popular, particularly if people are, say, on the island for two weeks. If you're there for a week, all the stuff I've suggested will, will kind of fill your time. But if you if you're there a little bit longer and you want to go and explore something different and again that has very beautiful beaches and the last choice um, for those of you who love wine is the vineyards there's a very thriving Kefalina wine business as I mentioned earlier and you can visit a couple of the main ones and, and they do tastings the main ones to consider probably I would recommend is the Rabala cooperative it's near the monastery of Saint Gerasimos uh and in fact if you're driving from uh, across the center of of the island you, you'll probably go through that area there's uh metaxas wine estate and another place called divino now the rebola as i mentioned is, is situated in this very beautiful valley it's the one i would recommend it seems to be the most popular one so kefalonia it's a very beautiful island it has huge fur covered mountains it has stunning clear sea beaches it's the first greek island that i've been to properly it was a perfect introduction to greece perfect introduction to the islands it's it's really something I would really recommend considering it's very easy to get to from the UK bless you from other parts of Europe you can go there by plane you can go there on a tour you can go there on a cruise you can go there on a mega yacht really really recommended um, and I look forward to both going back and exploring other Greek islands if you have any thoughts or tips about Kefalonia please you know get hold of me um all the contact details are on the site which are in the little intro which I'm about to ec- or exit I should probably say that I'm going to play now until next time thanks for listening and uh, if you get a chance next time you're on iTunes I'd really appreciate it if you left a comment and rated the podcast it makes a huge difference in how the podcast podcast performs on iTunes and it's uh, much appreciated till next time here's to some great travels Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast with Gary Bembridge. Travel tips and advice to help travellers get the very best travel experience out of every featured international destination. All well, the tips and advice are based on Gary Bembridge's first-hand experience visiting each destination for work, vacation, or usually both. He explores the best way to get there, getting around, and the top tips on must-see attractions and tours. Visit the site at www.tipsfortravelers.com, where Travellers is spelled the UK way with two L's. For the links to sign up for the newsletter, join the Facebook group and follow Gary Benbridge on Twitter. Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast.